Chapter 11 of Treachery in Outer Space by Carrie Rockwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Yow! Astro's bull-like roar echoed through the good company. Tom and Kit jumped around in their seats to stare dumbfounded at the half-stripped cadet climbing through the hatch into the power deck, followed by Sid. Sweating, his body streaked with grease, the belt of Rocket Man's tools swinging from his hips, Astro pounded the two spacemen on the back. We did it, he roared, turning to hug Sid, who was equally grimy and naked to the waist. Did what? demanded Kit. You know that bypass feeder you said wouldn't hold a pressure of more than D-18 rate? said Astro eagerly. When Kit nodded, Astro roared triumphantly, Well, it'll hold more than D-18 right now. What do you mean? demanded Kit. Astro's involved and detailed reply in engineering terms was almost gibberish to Tom, but he understood enough of the unit construction to sense that Astro had done something extraordinary. And he did it all himself, too, said Sid quietly. I didn't do any more than hold the tools. But I still don't understand, protested Kit. That bypass won't take more than D-18. We built another one, said Astro proudly. Since you were making a small unit, you naturally built a small bypass feeder. We made a big one. Astro grinned. I admit that it looks a little lopsided, with the tank joint on the side nearly twice as big as the whole cooling unit. But if you'll cut your motors and give me 15 minutes to change that line, I'll give you a reactant feed at D-30 rate. D-30? D stammered Kit. You're space happy. He glanced over at Sid. Is that right, Sid? He asked, almost hesitantly. The youth nodded. It'll work, Kit. And believe me, I didn't have a thing to do with it. It was his idea, and I thought he was nuts, too. But he can holler louder than I can. And, well, he's bigger than I am, and... Sid shrugged his shoulders. He went and did it. I want to see that thing for myself, exclaimed Kit, jumping out of his seat. Take over for a while, Tom. Tom slid under the controls of the sleek ship, and while Astro, Sid, and Kit went below to the power deck, he began to figure their speed at a D-30 rate. He used a pencil at first, scribbling on a piece of paper, but the answer he reached was so fabulous he put the ship on automatic gyro control and climbed to the radar deck, where he checked the figures on the electronic calculator. When the result was the same, he let out a whoop. When he returned to the control deck again, Astro, Kit, and Sid were already working on the master control panel, adjusting some of the controls to take the enormous increase in speed. Kit grinned up at Tom. Here we go, Tom, he said. This is going to be the fastest ride you've ever had next to hyperdrive. Then it really works, yelled the cadet. It not only works, but from the looks of that thing, we'll use very little more fuel. So now it's our turn to bypass a fuel stop. We're going right on through to Titan. You're whistling into the wind, Bernard. Quint Miles's voice was harsh and derisive as it crackled over the audio siever. You could never catch up with me in a hundred light years. This race is in the bag for yours truly. Across the vast distance of space that separated the two speeding ships, Tom... Astro and Kit Barnard listened to Miles's bragging voice and smiled at each other.
all Kit ever wanted was a fair chance, and now, thanks to Astro and Sid, he had better than a fair chance. With their added speed, Tom calculated that the two ships would arrive at the Titan spaceport at about the same time. Only scant minutes separated their estimated times of arrival. How much further do you think that wagon of yours will hold out, Bernard? Continued Miles over the audio receiver. You'll burn it up or shake it apart. This race is in the bag. All right, Miles, interrupted Tom. We'll do our talking at the Titan spaceport. Now let me talk to Roger. You mean Manning? asked Miles after an almost imperceptible pause. Yes, I mean Manning, snapped Tom. Can't oblige, Corbett said Quint Miles. Your pal took it on the lamb back at Ganymede. He ran out on me. As far as I know, he's still there. Didn't you see him when you stopped for refueling? We didn't stop, said Tom. What do you mean? He got off at Ganymede? He's supposed to stay with you throughout the race. I gotta go now, Corbett, came Miles's abrupt reply. I'm hitting rough stuff here. A swarm of meteors. See you on Titan. Be down there to welcome you in. Wait, what about Roger? Tom called frantically into the audio receiver, but Quint Miles did not answer. The young cadet slammed the microphone down on the table. That blasted Roger, he cried hotly. When I get my hands on him, I'm going to... Take it easy, Tom, said Astro, putting a hand on the cadet's shoulder. You know how Roger is. Wait until he has a chance to explain before you blast him. I suppose you're right, Astro, replied Tom. But why in the stars would he leave the ship? Whatever he's done, I'm sure Roger has a good explanation, replied the big Venusian. But inwardly, he couldn't help feeling that Roger, somehow, had gotten into another scrape which would, in the end, reflect on the whole unit. Neither Tom nor Astro cared much for their own individual reputations, but they were concerned about the record of the unit. Roger had managed to pull himself out of some narrow scrapes, but there was always a first time for everything. Leaving his post as monitor in the race was as serious as anything he had done so far. Heads up, Tom, Kit called out. Meteor storm in our course. We've got to change our heading. Aye, aye, sir, replied the young cadet, pushing aside his concern over his unit mate and concentrating on routine flight operations. On and on, the sleek ship plummeted through the black depths of space beyond Jupiter, heading for the planet Saturn and her magnificent rings of different colors, and to her largest satellite with its deadly methane ammonia gas atmosphere, the crystal-bearing moon Titan. They are approaching the spaceport, sir, called the Titan control tower operator, and Strong jumped to the radar scope to stare at the two blips on the screen. Only a mile separated them, with Quint Miles's space night ahead. Five minutes to touchdown,' reported the operator. "'Come on, Kit,' muttered Strong through clenched teeth. "'Pour it on, boy. Give her the gun.' The two blips grew closer to the heart of the scope, first one and then the other shooting ahead for brief seconds as they began deceleration. "'You can see them outside now, sir,' said the operator, and Strong jumped to the door." "'stepping out on the observation platform "'that looked out over the spaceport. "'He searched the skies above him, "'and then, faintly, "'he could see the exhaust trails of the two ships "'as they streaked over the field, "'beginning their deceleration orbits around the satellite. 
Behind him, Strong heard the voice of the tower operator, ordering Ramp 4 and Ramp 5 cleared for the two ships, and the mobs of people on the spaceport surged back. Strong noted the irony of the situation. The people of Titan were not out to greet a hero of space, but were waiting for the next evacuation rocket ship. The ramps were cleared, and within minutes the two ships reappeared over the horizon, nosing upward over the spaceport in an arc, their braking rockets blasting loudly as they prepared to land. Then, feeling that his heart would stop, Captain Strong saw Quint Miles's black ship touch the surface of the spaceport first. Kit Barnard had lost the race. By seconds, to be sure, but he had lost the race. A weak cheer rose from the crowds, and then quickly died out. To them the race was futile, and the prize empty. How could the winning company ship Crystal, when soon none would be mined? Strong raced across the field, and boarded the good company to find Kit, Tom, Astro, and Sid, sitting glumly on the control deck. There was a quick smile of greeting on the two cadets' faces when they saw their unit commander, but their smiles died away. Abruptly, Kit Barnard was on his feet, looking past Strong to someone entering the hatch behind him. "'Congratulations, Quint,' said Kit, extending his hand. "'That was a great race.' "'Thanks,' replied Miles. "'But I never figured it would end any other way. "'You put up a great fight, Barnard. "'Yes, sir, a great fight.' He turned to Captain Strong and chortled. "'Good race, eh, Strong?' The Solar Guard officer shook hands with the winner and then asked, "'Where is Cadet Manning?' "'Say, I want to make a complaint about that,' exclaimed Miles. He looked at Tom and Astro. "'It was bad enough having to be bothered with these kids, but when they behaved the way that kid Manning behaved, I've got a right to be sore.' "'When did Manning leave the ship?' asked Strong. "'As soon as we made touchdown on Ganymede. He left the ship after sleeping all the way out, made a couple of nasty cracks, and the last I saw of him, he was heading over to the deep space section of the spaceport.' "'You sure of that?' asked Strong. Quint Miles sneered. "'I just said that's what happened, didn't I?' "'Yes, that's what you said,' Strong replied. "'And I'll have to take your word for it until Manning can answer for himself.' "'How did you manage to make it from Earth to Ganymede without refueling, Quint?' asked Kit slowly. "'And what have you got in your ship to get that kind of speed?' Miles's lips curled in a twisted grin. "'That's my secret, spaceman,' he said, turning away. "'Well, I've got to report to my boss. Great race, Kit. Too bad there couldn't be more than one winner.' He laughed and swaggered out of the ship. "'I'd like to brain that guy,' growled Tom. "'All right, Corbett, Astro, pack your gear and report to the control tower for reassignment,' snapped Strong. He turned, and with a nod of sympathy to Kit, left the control deck. "'Let's go, Astro,' sighed Tom. We'll see you later, Kit. You too, Sid, and... They looked at each other, but there was nothing more that could be said. The race was finished. When Tom and Astro had finished packing their gear and left the ship, Sid turned to Kit. I'm going to take a look at the space night, he announced. Better not, Sid. Bernard shook his head. Miles is a rough customer. He might not like visitors around his secret on the power deck. Sid's face was set. I'm going he repeated, and ducked through the hatch. 
his face showing his disappointment at having lost the race. Kit paced the deck for a moment, and then he strode purposefully toward the hatch, calling, Hey, wait, Sid. I'm coming with you. In the control tower at the far end of the spaceport, Tom and Astro entered the station commander's office in time to overhear the last of Commander Walters's orders to Captain Strong. Might as well give the boys a rest before we begin our investigations, Steve. He looked up as the door opened. Oh, here they are now. Cadets Corbett and Astro reporting, sir. Tom and Astro saluted smartly. Stand easy, boys, said Walters, rising to face them. I don't know how much you've heard of this emergency on Titan, but you can be briefed on details later. For the moment, all you have to know is that your assignment here is concerned with a detailed checking out of the whole four-screen machinery. Take a 24-hour rest and then report back here ready for the hardest work you'll ever do in your lives. Yes, sir, said Tom. Where's Manning? Didn't he think it necessary to report to me? Walters looked at Strong. Well, Steve, it's your unit. It seems he got off the space night at Ganymede, sir, replied Strong reluctantly. Captain Miles said the last he saw of Manning he was walking toward the deep space section of the spaceport. Walter's eyes suddenly became very bright and hard. He got off, did he? Well, he snapped. This is just about the end of the line for Cadet Roger Manning. I'm sure Roger has a good explanation, sir, began Tom. Walters glared at the cadet. None of that, Corbett. Manning is a bad rocket, and the sooner I get rid of him, the better off the Academy and the Polaris unit will be. Now take your 24 hours leave and report back here ready to work. Yes, sir, replied Tom. He and Astro saluted and turned to leave the office, but were stopped by the sudden appearance of Sid and Kit. Sid's face was aglow. Kit was scowling. You know what we found on the space night? exclaimed Sid, unable to hold back. What? asked Tom. Almost a full tank of reactant, replied the young engineer, and the afterburners showed about as much wear as if the ship had jumped from Earth to Venus. What's that, young man? snapped Walters, stepping forward quickly. What are you talking about? Kit Barnard faced the commander and began to explain. We were both curious about Quint Miles's ship, sir he said. We wondered what kind of equipment he had to get that kind of speed. So we went aboard and looked her over. She looks as if she made a routine flight. Hardly any of her baffling has been eaten away, and her motors are cooling fast. And I'd swear by the stars there isn't anything on that ship to give her the kind of speed she made out here. Hmm, there's something funny about this, mused Walters. Strong stepped forward quickly. Would you like me to investigate, sir? he asked eagerly. Of course not, snapped Walters. What's the matter with you? We've got a whole planet full of people about to lose their homes, and you want to take time off to investigate pure speculation? I'm sorry, sir. Strong's face flushed at the rebuke. Carry on. Work with Joe Howard. Yes, sir. Strong saluted and started for the door. He passed Tom, Astro, Sid, and Kit without so much as a glance. His jaw was set like a rock. Tom Corbett shuffled uncomfortably, embarrassed at the rebuke Strong had just suffered from Walters. It was not like the commander to flare up so quickly. The situation on Titan must be extremely serious. He and Astro ducked out of the room quickly. Come on, Astro, 
muttered the young cadet. "'Let's get a bite to eat. I'm starved.' "'I was,' said the giant Venusian. "'But I lost my appetite.' "'Boy, do I wish I had Roger here now.' "'Yeah, me too.' End of chapter 11